So that's when I joined the Patterson program because I really didn't know what to do because I've always been healthy. I'd never, ever, ever had anything wrong. And so it was really scary. And so I joined the Patterson program and suddenly I felt like this whole world had opened up to me because here was somebody who'd already done all this amazing research, but it gave me a structure on what to do. So from the moment I accessed it, I changed my diet completely. I did everything that the program, so I went gluten-free, caffeine-free, dairy-free, sugar-free. I mean, I didn't really drink much alcohol anyway, but I stopped drinking what I did, made my juices. I just followed the program. And then little by little, I started to notice a change. This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Rheumatoid Solutions Podcast with Clint Patterson, helping you to live an easier, healthier and happier life. Welcome back to RheumatoidSolutions.com. We have another guest today to inspire you and to make us all go, wow, look at what can be done when we change our lifestyle when we have rheumatoid arthritis. And it is Trisha, and she's joining us from the North Island of New Zealand. Welcome, Trisha. Thanks, Clint. Thank you for the podcast. Yes, really looking forward to hearing your story in full. And just for the audience's awareness, I do not know your story other than a few bullet points. We really no. have just connected briefly on an email. And I said, wow, please come on and share your story. So this is all fresh, just as much for me as what it will be for everyone else. So give us that real short version first before we dive into your long story. Just tell us, you know, what's the before and after situation? Um, well, in 2018, I became unwell, and in the beginning of 2019, I ended up in a wheelchair. And now in, um, what are we? We're in June 2021, um, after finding the Patterson program and lots of other things, is that I'm now back working as a nurse and being able to go to yoga, and I'm part of the COVID vaccinating team here. Wow. So that's how far it's come. Yeah. That's incredible. And how's that make you feel uh, being um, able to say that? Well, I, yeah, just amazed. In fact, it, it taught me, I guess, what a gift life is and the ability to be able to move and have flexibility back in my body is a real miracle. <laughs> so that's how I feel every single moment of the day. Yeah. Now it's just I just can't wait to 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 hear about this portion of the story. I just want to ask you right away, like, what was the transition out of a wheelchair like? Was that something that was supervised for you, or was that something where you just started to use the wheelchair a little less, maybe getting up and down for 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 meal times, or what was that transition like? Well, the transition that really helped me was the prednisone in the beginning. And so little by little each day I could walk more on my feet. My feet could stand my weight until one day I realised that I could walk to the end of my driveway. I see, I see. And then so I just did more and more each day. 
Right. So it was the steroid that helped you become able to use the lower body more, which enabled you to build more strength bit by bit. And then the muscle regrowth and development was able to then get to a point where it could sustain you. And then you're out of the chair. Wow. Okay. That's correct. Yeah. Because my, um, my C-reactive protein when I first started was 178. So I had a lot of inflammation going on. Yeah, yeah. that's unbelievable. Yeah. Almost CRP, it's meant to be below five. That's yeah. correct. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, the highest mine ever got was 58 or something like that. And and uh, yeah, so I can appreciate what 170 plus looks like. I mean, that's, that's, that's just incredible. Okay. <laughs> We know, I know from your email that you end up getting off that steroid. So it obviously was helpful at that time to transition out of this wheelchair. Gosh, that's life-changing and and thank goodness you had that available to you. Mm. But let's uh, go through the steps now in order. Tell us about the diagnosis and how quickly it came on. Well, I'd been ill for a while, but I didn't realise I was ill. I just, I was overseas actually on an extended holiday in England and in Europe, and I, I just thought I had sore muscles. <laughs> and by the time I got back to New Zealand in November 2018, I still kind of didn't realise I was ill. And it was only in the beginning of 2019 when I suddenly thought I can't walk to my door <laughs> that my friend put me in a wheelchair and took me to the doctor. Mm. And so the actual diagnosis was made in April 2019 because I asked for a referral to a rheumatologist and I was lucky I got a really brilliant guy and so he he diagnosed that I had rheumatoid arthritis and then my friend who already also has RA she gave me the link to your program so that's when I joined the Patterson program because I really didn't know what to do because I've always been healthy. I've never, ever, ever had anything wrong. And so it was really scary. And so I joined the Patterson program and suddenly I felt like this whole world had opened up to me because here was somebody who'd already done all this amazing research, but it gave me a structure on what to do. So from the moment I accessed it, I changed my diet completely. I did everything that the program, so I went gluten-free, caffeine-free, dairy-free, sugar-free. I mean, I didn't really drink much alcohol anyway, but I stopped drinking what I did, made my juices. I just followed the program. And then little by little, I started to notice a change. I mean, without even meaning to, I lost about 19 kilos. (laughs) Not 19. 19 kilos. (laughs) Goodness, like that's I know, that's I know. Like a, I mean, over a period of time, over yeah. that that year, but um, yeah. So that the program was the key, if you like, to that helped me unlock the door to um, my way, my pathway back to health. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so little by little, I started to get well, and my rheumatologist put me on methotrexate. So I take twenty milligrams of methotrexate a week. I hated the prednisone. I think as the emergency drug, it was absolutely necessary. And I think that is where it has a really strong position in 
being able to support people move again. But it just made me feel like I could, I could cut my wrist quite easily. <laughs> so I spoke with my uh, rheumatologist and he supported me in coming off of it. So I worked out a plan on what my body, I, I started to observe how my body responded. So when I cut down a milligram, I worked out that it took three weeks for my body to stabilize out. Every three weeks, I reduced it. And then when I got to five milligrams, I went down to four and a half, then four. And until I got to 0.5, and then I went a quarter. <laughs> and then Monday, I just stopped it. So I started taking it in January 2019, and I finished it in December 2019. Mm, virtually a year, one year yeah. to get off yeah. it. Uh, what was yeah. the starting dose? Well, the GP put me on 40 milligrams because he thought I had, um, is it polymyalgia rheumatica? So it went 40 milligrams for a week, 30 milligrams for a week, then 20. And then I was meant to reduce it by a milligram every month. But when I saw the rheumatologist, he said that he would never start me on that. He would always start people on 15 milligrams because the 40 milligrams here anyway in New Zealand is the protocol for, um, for people with respiratory disorders, not rheumatoid arthritis. So when he first diagnosed me, he, I had to come off prednisone straight, straight away. He just said, stop it. I need to work out what you really have. And until you're off prednisone, I can't. Right. I guess yeah. what he's looking for is the true state of inflammation that can only yes. be revealed underneath the yes. drug. Yes, exactly. So I did. And within about four days, I couldn't walk again. And then did so, you see him? Um, yeah. So I got the true diagnosis. And even though I, my factor is um, RA negative, that's what I have. So he put me back on 15 and we just worked with it from there. He okay. was very good. He was brilliant, Clint. Yeah. Yeah. He supports okay. me whatever I want to do. He supports me in my diet. And in the beginning, I, I kind of became fixated to come off methyltrexate because I had this thing about, oh, I want to be drug free. However, over time, I realized that. I need to leave things as status quo, that instead of, instead of having that as an end goal, I need to focus on the process of what I need to do to stay healthy. And I'm really, really fortunate because methyltrexate and my body seem to be okay together. Yeah, great, great. Yeah. Okay. Let me just now summarize what I think we've learned so far. So you went and presented with massive inflammation, CRP 170 plus. They gave you immediately high dose steroid of 40 milligram. This yeah. enabled you over a period of time to be able to um, come up out of the wheelchair as you built muscle strength through your yeah. legs. And so this got you moving again. Rheumatologist needed you to come off that so that you he could diagnose you appropriately with the with the current level of symptoms that were being suppressed. Yes. After a few days, you were shocking again and couldn't walk again. And he said, okay, let's get you back on prednisone, but as a lower dose of 15. And then over the period of January to December, you went from 15 and weaned your way all the way back to off the prednisone completely by yes. using the natural interventions that we'll talk yes. more about. Yes. Yes, I did. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of people get stuck on prednisone for years and years, and it becomes mm. a very, very challenging future if you've mm. been on it for a very long time. Mm. Obviously, it's dose dependent, but uh, 
Yeah, you wouldn't want to be on 15 milligram for too long. Um, no. So you've done well, done tremendously well to, to get off it. Okay, so talk to us then about um, the methotrexate dosages. You started that, I think you said on 15 milligram too, or did you tell methotrexate. me? Methotrexate. Yeah. I started the methotrexate on 10 milligrams. Yeah, 10. Okay. And then um, I did that, I think, for about two or three weeks, and then I went up to 20. And, and you, that's what and, I've remained on. And you've remained on 20. Okay. Yes. So norm, normally when people uh, taper down their, their prednisone, say from January to December like you did, symptoms will start to come back. Mm. So you have defied that through your dietary changes. So let's talk about those now. Let's talk about the things that you were doing that you found were most helpful within the sort of program structure and other things potentially as well that you were doing. Talk about your most effective interventions. Um, well, my most effective interventions was obviously my diet. I just changed everything and I stuck to your diet for the whole of that year completely. Um, because also I guess something else that really helped me was that I started to do a lot of research about the fact that I probably had leaky gut as well and what and how the diet supported starting that healing process going on. So I'd have to say that the diet was the main, the main health benefit for me for all those years and actually continues to be so. So other things I did was when I started to be able to move, I started to dance. So I found I really enjoyed dancing and my body responded well to it. It kept the flexibility. Also, I've also been a big believer in body work. I use natural ways because I'm also an anthroposophical nurse, so I try to follow whenever it's appropriate to do so. So I would go for massage, and I still go to her today, and she does body structure to keep me in, you know, in, in good line. I think the main thing was, one of the main things was my own attitude and my own belief system. I think because I've always had hope. I've never lived without hope, if that makes any sense. And one of the big, big learnings for me, I think the whole way through this process, was that in, your, in my darkest hours anyway, maybe in people's darkest hours, that the intellect was never enough, that the ability to stay strong and courageous that gift came from a totally different place than my my head. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. Oh, um, yes. So that was that was the biggest motivation, I guess, that kept me going is that the courage to be able to and the strength to be able to move through this disorder was not an intellectual process. <laughs> it was just some came from some other place. So. Yes, I think so. The other thing I started to do, and I read your I, re, I read your words many, many times about Bikram yoga, and I thought, no, I don't want to do yoga. So I tried gyms, but I hate gyms. I tried all sorts of things, but I hated them. So in the end, our local modern yoga, as it's called now, they have like a, a Bikram Biggest Loser challenge where you have to go for 13 weeks and you have to go at least four times a week to stay in the challenge so I thought what the hell and I joined it <laughs> so that was a major game change as well for me and so oh. I go to a bit from yoga four times a week 
when I first started, I couldn't even I couldn't kneel down. I, I mean, I still can't do a lot of the standing series, but the strength in my right leg is coming back. So, yeah, so that keeps me mobile and flexible. I had um, a hip replacement last August, and that really helped me. So now I'm walking. Yeah, I'm walking, going to yoga, vaccinating, walking my dog, doing my garden. I don't know if I've answered your question. So the major yes, game players for me no, was the diet, the yoga, and dancing. I think just the mental attitude. Yeah. I'm, I want to go into a couple of those in more detail. You've pretty much laid out the rest of our chat here um, <laughs> as we go into these things that help you. Uh, so, yeah, diet, I've, I've noted, dancing, massage, your belief system and keeping up the, the level of, of optimism and hope. Yeah. Bikram yoga, it's obviously yeah. a big part of my journey. The hip replacement to, um, you know, fix up the sort of the weakest link in the body so that the yeah. whole rest of the body can benefit. Yeah. Like, let's talk about the belief system because the dancing is self-explanatory, massage sort of self-explanatory. With massage, yeah. I found that when people say, what about massage? My answer to that is always, it's all tremendous. It makes you feel good. It relaxes you. It's therapeutic for the muscles, but just don't let the practitioner press into the connective tissue right near the joint. So the tendonitis right at the joint level, and of course, the synovitis at the joint itself, we do not want to be pressing into that area. That can become in more inflammatory if we irritate that. But everything between the two joints, anywhere in the body, feels good to rub. Yeah, so it does. It does. Absolutely. Yeah. With on the topic of belief system and hope and remaining optimistic, you talked about darkest days. Mm. When I speak on this uh, at live events, I say, and often I put this at the end because it can become a little, I can get a little emotional when I talk about this, but I talk about hope being a lot like love where we can be out of love and feel loveless in our life for sometimes long periods and you feel extremely lonely and that there's no, no one that you're connecting with at a deep level. Mm. But then someone can just give you a look just one look from another human being mm. instantly recreate that sense of love and mm. make you feel love. It doesn't take a long time. It can happen in a split second. Mm. And in the same way, we can feel that there's no hope for very long periods of time, but then something happens and hope can return in an instant. And I define what that, that occurrence is as being a game plan and mm. seeing a path to get from where you are today to where you want to get to. Once that game plan is put in front of you and you can see what needs to be done, or at least believe that that is the path forward wholeheartedly, then hope comes back instantly. It's mm. there it is. That's what I need to do. And I'm in this baby. I'm going for it. And you get goosebumps and you're just charged and you are ready to go. And that is, I believe, the uh, the missing thing when we are lacking hope. It's, mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. I don't think there is any path that can get me out of this. Mm -hmm. So does that speak to your experience also? Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I think part of the reason that, part of the factors, if you like, that contributed 
to my illness was that my husband had been ill for about eight years before he died of cancer. And then mum was ill and I lost mum. And then two and a half years later, I lost dad. And so I think they were, they were pretty dark days. <laughs> and then when I became ill, I, I, uh, I sort of just thought, I, you know, I don't know what's going on here. And then one day I was with my dog in the park and I was feeling pretty down. And I know the prednisone lent to that. And I was walking with Bella and suddenly, I don't know what it was, but suddenly I stopped and looked at a tree. And I realised I had never, ever noticed this tree before. And I could see how green it was. And suddenly I noticed how many different types of colours of green there were in the trees in the park. And it was like, I don't know how to explain it, but it was like this sensation that washed over me that showed me that, that nature if I could only see the nature that I was being shown in the park, it would show me the um, it, it show me the process, if you like, between life and death. You know, like winter comes and you can't see anything and everything is dying, but nonetheless there's still life going underneath. You just cannot see it until the spring comes. And for, I don't, I can't explain it, but in that moment, I just I thought I can do this. But the factor that's going to make the difference between being able to do it and not is myself. Uh, all the support in the world is great, but the key is myself and what I'm prepared to do and give up and what I'm prepared to allow my thoughts to run to. Does that make sense? And so, and I mean, I've always had deep spiritual beliefs. So I thought. You know, I'm living a human life. I would say I'm a soul living a human life. And there is nowhere in the universe that is written that to live a mortal life is easy. <laughs> and so as challenges come up, I thought if I just have tiny little challenges in my life, then I'm going to have tiny little successes. But if I have my huge challenges in my life and I can work through them, my successes are going to be massive as well. So I, I was happy with that. And I thought, you know, that I didn't do anything wrong to have this illness. It just it happened for whatever reason. So what is it showing me? And it show it showed me, I think, as I say, that that the courage to to move through it came from a different place than my intellect and that there were plenty of people and plenty of information and research out there to help me and if I wanted to keep eating cheese because I love cheese I can but if I wanted to be healthy I had to stop it and therein lies the choice so it doesn't matter how bad things were I actually had a choice and that was the difference I had the choice I had the freedom to choose I was a decider so, yeah, so I think and coupled with Clint that I feel that I, I'm lucky in life. I have a home, I have a job. And so what it has allowed me to do now, because I'm actually retired, I went back in to help with the vaccinations, is that I can now live a life of service because that's, you know, like you say with 
just a, a smile. Now, you know, I'm with people and if I'm an observation nurse and I give people information on what to do if they feel unwell when they go, to see the gratitude that somebody can explain this easily to me is a gift. So, you know, I don't know if that kind of makes any sense to you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, I'm just listening and giving you this the chance to explore your thoughts fully rather than interjecting because you're talking about really deep and important touching things. You know, you spoke about, you know, if making progress and it's going to have to come down to yourself and whilst yeah. you're surrounded by others, ultimately you are the one here making the choices and so forth. And yes. the expression that I use is if it's meant to be, it's up to me. Or if That's it's right. going to be, it's up to me. And no, like you say, like no one else can choose what to put in your mouth. No one else can make you go to your four Bikram classes a week. No. That is not fun. That no. is discipline. That is hard work. Mm. It really is. I know because I've been going once or twice a week that every time it comes to go, I think, gosh, do I really want to go today? And the answer is usually no, but I still go because yeah. I just know that it's like, you know, it's almost it's like having to go to school when you're a kid. If you don't like going to school, your parents make you go because you have to go. The consequences of not going are too significant if you don't go to school. Mm -hmm. And there's consequences to your body if you don't do the appropriate exercise to reduce yeah. inflammation, build strength and flexibility, is that your future will not be great. No, and it won't. It won't. And I guess what. I mean, one of the things that was a gift in a way from having um, rheumatoid arthritis and ended up where I did was that it gave me a picture into my own future if I didn't do something about it right in that moment. And, I mean, isn't that a gift? <laughs> That's got to be a gift. Yeah, I often think what would I do if I could still eat whatever I wanted and I didn't have to exercise because mm -hmm. eating what ever I wanted and not exercising led to, with the history of antibiotic use, mm. a breakdown of my body at 31 years old. Now, yeah. let's say it didn't break down because of the antibiotics. Let's say I just kept doing that. And so my microbiome wasn't necessarily smashed up, but mm. I continued to eat the way I did. And I wasn't exercising. I was I was focused on uh, a couple of businesses that I had going at the time. Stand-up comedy being the main thing, which is a late-night thing, and you're drinking and you, you know, you're sort of eating late, often on the on the road and so forth. And uh, and then I also had another uh, small business uh, just here in Australia. And my focus was to try and, um, you know, just just nothing to do with my health. Mm. And where would that end up? You know, a neighbour just said he's he's. Um, uh, his father just went for a triple bypass the other day. And when I hear this, I immediately think, well, I know that most of those are avoidable in my mind. Mm. They're dietary related. The studies mm. show that. It's super clear. Heart disease is a lifestyle mm. disease. Mm. And so I don't say that to the person. I say inside my head, well, that could have been me if I'd have kept on the same path. Mm. Right? So yeah, if absolutely. it hadn't have been rheumatoid arthritis, it would probably be something else. I know. So, I mean, in a way, in a funny roundabout way, we've been given a gift. 
it, it's but hard to said. it's a hard thing for most of our audience to swallow that it's a gift and I don't even really uh, have the ability to say it's a gift because um, damaged joints tell me each day that they wish that <laughs> gift never came yeah. um, however however I know what you're saying and yeah. I understand you know we there's this concept of like there is no right there is no wrong there is no good there is no bad there just is mm. it just is okay so if it is then like you say, what choices do we have now and what interpretation do we have of it that we can provide a better future for ourselves? If we, you've interpreted it as a gift which empowers you so much, and if we can't quite get to that point, we can say, well, at least there's massive lessons. Mm-hmm. At least there's massive lessons. Teachers us, don't eat that. Mm-hmm. Don't, when our kids get to teenage years, don't give them antibiotics for acne. When, you know, when we're out at a restaurant, don't choose the oily meal. Try and eat before you go. Heaps and heaps of choices we can make. And every time we serve someone like you do, when you're really generously being uh, contributing to your community, you can soak that in and appreciate that feeling more than you would have if you hadn't. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, um, I mean, maybe gifts the wrong word, I don't know. But it gave me a massive life lesson, let's put it that way, a life lesson of what could be if I didn't change things. And before I retired, I I worked in radiology as one of the nursing team for 13 years. So, you know, I've seen people, they would come for peripheral angiography and they would put stents and everything in and they would go away and continue to smoke. (laughs) And then they wonder why it doesn't work. But um, I think, yeah, I'm just... I felt blessed that my girlfriend gave me the link to the Patterson program, to be honest. So as I say, I still, I mean, I eat a lot more now. There was a point when my hemoglobin because of the inflammation was right down in my boots, but it's good now. And my C-reactive protein is two. My hemoglobin is about 124, which is fine. All my bloods are normal. I eat really cleanly because I, because of the methotrexate. I like to keep my liver as clean as I can. And when people say to me that I know that have arth- bad arthritis or rheumatoid arthritis, that I, I love cheese, I can't do without my cheese, when I, I think, well, there's the answer. <laughs> You're making a choice. And a long, long time ago, I read a book by a guy called, um, or a gentleman called um, Victor Frankl, and it was called Man's Search for Meaning. And I think because... My life has always had a meaning for me, even in the darkest moments, that that has always helped me. <laughs> me too. Sense. I love that book. And when the kids get old enough to read it and and um, sort of not be freaked out by the setting in which the book was written, yeah. um, I will have them read that or read it to them as well. Uh, there are, yeah, some wonderful lessons in that book that yeah. still sit with me. And so if anyone hasn't read that book, it's not a long book. It's not something that you need to set aside a month for. Um, it's something that you can get through in a, in a, in a weekend or more for, for, mm-hmm. for most people. But it's, yes, it's Man's Search for Meaning by Victor Frankl. Go yeah. and check it out and see if it would be suitable for you. But some, yeah, some deep lessons, some deep lessons about picturing the outcome that you want and holding on to that as reality yes. for as long as it takes until it comes to you. Yes. 
And for me, I think, as I said in my email, I no longer think I've got to reach that goal because I know my goal. So for me now, it's always what is I need to do? What's the process I need to follow step by step? Because then it's easy for me to know where I've gone wrong and I need to change this part of the process rather than thinking I've got to change the whole goal. So today for me, it's my diet. And I still, as I said, I still, your diet still is a foundational part of my foundational meal plan. It's the yoga and it's walking the dog and it's my work. Yeah. 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 And I, I do, I feel extremely lucky that yeah. I came across your program and other things when I did. Mm. Yeah. Because that, now, that was a game changer for me. Yes. How is your friend doing who recommended the program to you? Yeah, is she's she someone? Fine. She's good. She um she's a does kinesthesiology. She was she's a body worker. And yeah, she hasn't she doesn't take anything at all. I think she had a knee replacement many years ago. But um yeah, she's really healthy. Really healthy. And she said it made a big difference. That's great. It's yeah. isn't it great when uh, you know it makes me really happy to know that you came about these life changes through someone else who's also um, done really well, and it's it sort of yeah, happens through osmosis. I did, and I um, before I went back to doing vaccinating, I was working as a cold laser therapist, and I. I had a lot of clients that had rheumatoid arthritis. And um, so I gave them or, or gave practically everyone your link and where to find you. Yeah. Okay. Fabulous. Well, thank you. I really hope that they are able to, at the very least, uh, listen to our free podcast and learn that way because just listening to your story today would be enough for most people to say, wow, there is something that I can do. You know, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. Or at Absolutely. least I got to stop my cheese because that's come up a few times. <laughs> so, so thank you, thank you. Is there anything else that um, we haven't covered? Uh, when you said you know the program and some other things, were you referring to all the things that we've touched on? Yes, today? I was. Yeah, it is. And a for 300- people to say I can't live without my cheese, I tell them to try nutritional yeast. <laughs> that's it right. Is great. That's right. There's always a substitute yeah. for everything. I know. I know. And actually, it's been um, it's been really lovely talking with you, Clint, because one of the, the spiritual gifts, if you like, that Quint and my husband and I had was the way we could talk together about anything and everything. And I miss that in my life. So, yeah, so thank you. Yeah, I love these kind of conversations. You know, I, only so many times I can talk about, you know, <laughs> <laughs> things that are practical and very, very at a physical level. Like, okay, today you need to increase your leafy greens. I mean, I've the number of times I've said that is countless and it doesn't shift me emotionally. But when we talk about things that are beyond the, the, the human body and we're talking about, you know, belief patterns mm-hmm. and things that are more non-physical, that's when I get goosebumps and that's when I feel like we're touching upon stuff that's beyond the, the human body and mind that's so powerful that it dwarfs us in our own 
human existence. Like when you look at the, at, the, at the horizon out upon the ocean after you've just got out of your car, you found your keys, you got the bag, blah, 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 and then you've walked up and you've looked up and you look at the horizon where the, where the sea meets the sky all that distance away and you're like, wow, like, goodness me. Like, you know, that, that, that just it shifts your current state into like, wow, like that's why I came to the beach or that's why I came to this lookout. And I am so small, and this is just magnificent. And you, and that's the sort of feeling I get when I talk about spiritual stuff. Way like the the basic stuffs, like looking at the car keys and getting out of the car, and then the talking about spiritual stuff is looking out into the horizon and and knowing that we're only so insignificant compared to the universe. You know? Yeah. Hmm. Actually, it's interesting because when you say that, one of the things I will say that really helped me was my dog because she kept my heart open and she kept my heart tender because I had to walk her. I had to feed her. And when at night, because she sleeps on the bed, when she snuggles up to me. So one of the things I guess that's important as well is contact. It doesn't, I, th- I believe that every heart needs to be loved. Every heart needs to be loved by another being, whether it's human or animal, it doesn't matter. And I had that in my dog, so I was lucky. Yes. It sounds like your dog played a very, very big part in you having purpose and feeling connection. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So even though we're tiny within a universe, we're still important because we're all connected. Yes. Now, this brings my thoughts to a film on Netflix called My Octopus Teacher. Have you seen that? No. My Octopus. Okay. No, I haven't. Please watch it. I encourage okay. everyone to watch this film. It is a beautiful film, and it's a documentary about a man who had a lot of grief in his life, and he just started to go swimming each day in the cold waters near where he lived in South Africa. And he develops the most unusual, unique connection with a female octopus that was living at the bottom of the, uh, at the ocean. And he builds up his ability to hold his breath and he, he free dives and spends time with the octopus and sees the entire life cycle and watches her life. And it's so touching. It's incredible. Okay, um, I'll watch that. So, and uh, I don't want to uh, give any too much away because I want everyone to to watch the film and and to to see. I mean, it's moving. You'll probably cry. It's like just the most moving film. It really is. Okay, it's a documentary. Yeah. It's all true, and he filmed the whole thing himself. It's and it looks amazing. The videography is amazing. It, the whole thing's just quite different to anything else I've seen. Okay. Mm. And one of the messages coming, one of the main, I will tell you the main message from that film is that we're not just visitors to this earth where we observe, we learn, we learn some lessons, we contribute maybe, and then we're gone. But we are part of it and that we are necessarily here for the behavior and the lives of others to work correctly. Mm-hmm. We're a cog in the mechanics. We're not yeah. just watching the mechanics. 
And that is one of the, the key subtleties that we need to understand. We are ne- necessarily here for the, for the rest of the environment in which we live to thrive, mm. even if that means we have to suffer. Mm. There is some kind of um, reason that that's going on. Mm. And we're not just we're not just here suffering on our own and watching and no, it doesn't work like that. And the film, the film's beautiful in 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 demonstrating that. Okay, I'll watch it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope a lot of people watch this because Tricia, there's been a lot of lessons in this conversation as well. And if people just pick up one thing from watching or listening to this conversation that helps them, then that will have been a great gift. And so I thank you very much for coming and sharing your story and for telling us where you're up to and all that you're doing. And I'm sure you've got lots more left to do uh, and you've got such a good platform and behaviours and structure in place to keep you on a great track now. So well done. No, thank you. And um, thank you for all the research in the program because that was the platform I started from and the platform that still keeps the foundations going. <laughs> so thank um, you, Clint. Yes. Okay. Thanks, Trisha. Bye. Thanks for listening to Rheumatoid Solutions. If you'd like to get more help to live an easier, healthier, and happier life, visit rheumatoidsolutions.com.